got it. Yes. Now, we've run out of Godzilla movies and Toho kaiju movies. Yes. And I think I've just figured out a way to open up the podcast in ways that you and I previously never thought of. Here we go. I based it off of Baywatch. Now, okay, Baywatch, a show that ran for 12 years, and principally about lifeguards running in slow motion and rescuing people. Okay, so when things got started to get a little bit tired, what happened? They also did the spin-off Baywatch Nights, where David Hasselhoff ran a jazz bar, a smooth jazz bar, and a couple of the people from Baywatch were in it, and they would go to their bar every night, and they would solve mysteries. So this is why I'm saying we need to start the Godzilla Pod War Hour Nights, where you and I open a detective agency based out of like a strip club, and we can start solving mysteries. We might talk about movies while we're investigating cases and stuff. Like a Tarantino character. Yeah, exactly. But And we can bring in back different guest hosts, and they can like help us out and stuff. And I really think that this is... That's it. That's my only other idea of what we can do because we're out yeah and this is more uh you know depressing than that rim job i got when i was visiting uh california well, wait a minute, wait a on, minute. on the pacific wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute rim job pacific that reminds me i'm gonna go to arby's later <laughs> uh unrelated to anything that was just said Pacific Rim! Yes. We're there. You know, yeah. we, we had someone actually request that we do uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to do it, but I, I saw that there that the community was behind this movie enough where they would allow us this divergence of, of doing an episode on, on uh, admittedly, not a Toho uh, kaiju movie. However, however, in yes. homage definitely to the Toho Kaiju films, Pacific Rim is an excellent movie, uh, just in general, and it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie because it's its own thing. Yeah, obviously, it's inspired by the Godzilla movies and Gamera movies, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the other stuff. Stuff with all of the uh, you know, like Ultraman series, and clearly uh, stuff with specifically giant robots and, and mechs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it takes it and it does its own thing and it, it does it very well. So I think, you know, it is absolutely worthy of us talking about it. I think, right. you know, it's not, it's not from Japan and, and it doesn't have Godzilla in it, but I think it has earned the right to be discussed on yes. this show. Any movie that... Like, the beginning of it is, like, a breakdown of the word kaiju and its definition. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, the, those these people are fans. Yeah. You know, these people are friends. So, like, you know, I, yeah, I guess uh, let's let's talk about Pac Rim for a while, which I've lovingly called it Pac Rim. Yeah, me too. This is not, <laughs> you know, uh, a demeaning, it's just a shortening of the word. It's, uh, you yeah. know, it's it's uh, what only cool people yeah, yeah. call the movie Pac Rim. Hopefully it'll catch on. Yeah. After not this. not to be confused uh, with uh, Pac, what Pac Man does at yeah. the Steam House. That's completely different. Oh, Jesus. Uh. <laughs> no. Damn it. <laughs> 
So, uh, anyways, I guess we should start off with uh, some some factoids, okay? Yeah, um, some uh, knowledge, some yeah, history. Yeah, street knowledge. Why don't you head us up with some street knowledge there, Nate? Okay, well, uh, I don't know... I mean, pre-production from the research I've done just seems to, like, have kind of fell into place. Just It just happened that uh, Del Toro's, uh, I guess, uh, previous project had fallen through. And, well, let's... Yeah. B- before all that, let's assume the audience doesn't know who directed it or what year it uh, came out. Yes. So, uh, this is, uh, 2013. Yes. Uh, you know, the far distant past. Uh, and directed by Guillermo del Toro, uh, a Mexican director, uh, famous for films such as The Devil's Backbone, Kronos, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Hellboy 1 and 2. Uh, and... Movies. And, and the first Mimic. Yes. Uh, with Mira Savino and Charles S. Dutton, yeah. and that movie rocks. Yeah. That movie's awesome. So uh, de- definitely a force to be reckoned with in uh, Hollywood, and I think like lots of uh, good directors who have uh, come from overseas to Hollywood add like new energy uh, to like sometimes a stagnating system. You know, yeah. I mean, this goes all the way back to like when Ernst Lubitsch came. Uh, to Hollywood in the twenties, yeah. you know, he he just you know er- changed Ernst Lubitsch, the inspiration for Mister Ernst from Hey Dude. Really? Continue. No, oh, no, okay. that's not, <laughs> no, that, that's not true at all. But I just I get so few opportunities to bring up Nickelodeon's weird drama comedy sitcom that was on a dude ranch, Hey Dude, uh, starring Ben Stiller's wife. Uh, anyways, continue. Okay, anyways, so, uh, Ernst Lubitsch, the Lubitsch touch, the marriage circle, he made lots of sex jokes back when you shouldn't make sex jokes. Anyways, Del Toro has done the same thing, just instead of sexual innuendo, he is just, you know... uh, To be clear, we can do, like, in modern society, you can do sex jokes now, just in general. In in, in general. It's okay okay now. So, I'm not sure where that happened. Now now the only taboo is making a good movie. Yeah. Uh, That's Hollywood's (laughs) biggest fear and taboo. It's no less, sex is fine... Being gay is fine. Uh, I mean, the taboo, you know, the yeah. taboo, and we're starting to get a little off topic here. But the taboo is is uh, making a movie that isn't instantly that the, the the producers don't instantly see as oh well, this is going to be like this franchise. And yeah. it's like how how do you sell me on this idea as a franchise? And what are the next yeah. fifteen installments of this? Yeah. You know, so like. Yeah, because everybody was on the Marvel train, and this yeah. is nothing against Marvel. Marvel didn't ask for it. This is just kind of what uh, has developed around it. Iro- you know? Ironically, uh, you mentioned Marvel, and it, I do think it's interesting because obviously Marvel is is doing its whole thing. They're on eleven films, and I happened to see uh, a screening of the Revengers: Age of Velcro. <laughs> Uh, Destroy All Monsters uh, co-host uh, Emmett Williams actually was, was kind enough to buy me a ticket. I couldn't turn that down. So I did see that. Obviously what Marvel's doing is is unprecedented. I mean, it is precedented. They basically did it with Destroy All Monsters, ironically. <laughs> I mean, it took 10 years to build something and have all the people in it. But this is the good, profitable version of that. Yeah. And the point is, is that, that okay, that's Marvel. So DC is trying to do the same thing over at at Warner Brothers in conjunction with Legendary Pictures. That is going to fail. I don't know. We we saw the first uh, pictures of Suicide Squad, okay, with uh, like Will Smith looking very upset. 
as a dead shot. The point is, DC is going to implode, and then Legendary and Warner Brothers, they will have no... Their, their, their attempt at uh, getting the Marvel Universe together with something like Man of Steel, with something like BV Superman, whatever, Dawn of Injustice... Uh, that's all going to crash, okay, in the next couple of years. It's not gonna, people won't like those movies. They won't be profitable. And then Warner Brothers and Legendary will be forced to turn all of their efforts towards making kaiju movies. Now, they're already making a new King Kong movie. They're already making another Godzilla movie. And they're already making another Pacific Rim movie. So those movies, the kaiju movies, that's what's going to take over, as far as Warner Brothers is concerned, after all of this stuff fails. So what we are actually seeing right now is the dawning of a brand new kaiju movie era. And it's difficult to see it right now because it's only like in the first couple of years and it's they're just starting to get it revved up. But we are potentially on the rim of a new golden age of kaiju movies if Warner Brothers doesn't fuck this up, which they may. But uh, anyway, it could be like a phoenix, right? And it all started <laughs> with Pacific Rim. Yes. So, like, we are this is a very important the movie. potential destruction of one era right. to the joyous rebirth of another. Exactly. That's exactly a kind of Evangelion reference yeah. there. Uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> wasn't sure I could bring that all back. Yeah. Around. <laughs> I got pretty far out there, but like, yeah. And that, what were we talking about again? All right, uh, so Del Toro. Oh, yeah, Guillermo so, Del Toro. So, Del Toro. Uh, Ed Del Toro actually, with this film, brings on uh, you know, his uh, cinematographer, Guillermo, uh, Guillermo Navarra, who also did uh, work previously on Pan's Labyrinth and I believe The Devil's Backbone, as well as uh, Spy Kids, I think, 1 and 2. Yeah. Uh, so this is like a competent cinematographer. Right, before um, Rodriguez went into uh, just put green screen up in my garage when yeah. I was autopilot. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, <laughs> there's good low budget, then there's bad low budget. Yeah. There's <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so... Uh, lots of uh, good work behind this, uh, and I believe uh, what Industrial Light and Magic doing special effects. Yeah. So uh, a good amount of uh, work put into this film. I do recall from an interview that Del Toro said that in creating the kaiju and creating the Jaegers, he wanted the designs to look as if they were people in suits. Yeah. So e even though they were going to be CGI, he wanted them to theoretically look like somebody was in a rubber suit yes so we get that look which is yeah and that's he discusses that on the behind the scenes of the uh dvd plus digital download uh <laughs> combo uh that that i have for how much mike at i'm Walmart? not sure because it was a birthday present for my beloved brother benjamin ah. uh and i've you know i've watched it many times but and I've got all the all the featurettes mem memorized. Mm -hmm. And he, yes, Del Toro talks about, like, because of the lineage, because of Honda, you know, because of Godzilla. Like, you have to, that was, like, a key thing to him is that, yes, every monster, essentially, they all look kind of weird, but they all have, you could break it down to that human silhouette. Yeah. 
um, is the word that he uses. And he also said he didn't want like anybody uh, to mention the references. Yeah. So like, even though they're all pulling from many different sources, yeah. and you can kind of figure like that kind of looks like something from Gamera. That well, yeah, kind of looks mean, like, Ultraman. The first kaiju you see yeah. is straight up named Knifehead. Yeah. Which is, I think, like, that was like the jo I jokingly referred to Garion or whatever yeah. the fuck his name was from Gamera like last week was yeah. like or last month. Uh, was was Knifehead, and that's actually what this guy, and he does look like, yeah, that's, you call him Knifehead. But they're very unique. Like, you look at those, and you know Pacific Rim. Right. Everything, both the Kaiju and the Jaegers, as well as the characters, they have extreme characterization, and that's one thing that um, Del Toro and, uh, I think, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Inaratu, as well as Alfonso Curon, they're more interested in theme than uh, character. So their characters have characterizations, like the, the, like how they dress, how they act, you know, they're caricatures of people. Right. So they don't necessarily act like people do in real life. They, uh, <laughs> they act like people do in movies, I, I guess. So, the, um, yeah. so they don't have the same amount of depth you might have in other monster films. I but it's that, okay. That may go yeah. a long way to explaining why I've seen this movie three times and I can't remember the name of the guy who plays the main guy mm -hmm. or his name in the movie. Yes. I get nothing on it. Now, I wrote down, his name is Charlie Hunnam, yeah. the actor. But, like, there's no... The hero of this movie is Gypsy Danger. Yeah. Like, that's what I remember, yeah. you know. And and that's kind of just the way um, Del Toro likes to do it. Like, Pan's Labyrinth has a little bit more depth. Yeah. Um, but the characters, like, let's say, uh, the uh, Captain Vidal uh, in Pan's Labyrinth. Like, he's a caricature. He's yeah. an evil he, bad guy. You can tell yeah. he's evil because he shaves. Yeah. Like, in an evil way. Yeah. You know, but everything about him is meticulous, all this stuff. Like, it's very good. He has a little depth. But we don't get too much. Right. Like we don't we don't delve too deep into his character. Right. Uh, in fact, he might be the deepest of all the characters, yes. uh, even more than Ophelia, like the our protagonist. Like everything oh, else you're... is just kind of alluded to. Parallel that with our main characters Beckett and Mako, they themselves seem more like characterizations. Like we know a little bit about their background, not too much. Just enough. Yeah. Like, er everything is, like, a little below the surface. Just a little below the surface. So, but that's okay. That's not what this movie is about. Yeah. You know, that, that that's the, how the fantasy genre works. And you can see that, again, with uh, some of the, like, later Godzilla films. Yeah. You know, it's not... They're just sort of... Yeah. You know, you know just enough. You know just enough, you know. I mean, the exception would be the first Godzilla film, you know, where we know, like, a lot, and the characters are extremely deep. Yeah. And then we also have a monster on top of that. But I like so. to think of it as, like, in Godzilla vs. Gigan, when the main guy was just a comic book writer. Yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> all. He never talked about his opinions on politics. No. And he didn't have, like, an old football injury from college. There was no, like... Yeah. You know, none of that shit. It was just like, this is who I am, the one-sentence thing, go. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but, they, I mean, they all have a background. They're all uh, very well, I guess, acted. 
Um, you I know, mean, they're, or, they're they're all very competently acted, and I think Idris Elba, oh, especially uh, as as Marshall Pentecost, is for me the only character that I care about. Yeah, in the movie. Uh, so along with well, I, I care about Mako. Yeah. Um, but like those two performances are are really the only ones that are uh, imbued. Uh, or, or that are given any real, you know, uh, impact. Yeah. Um, and that's from the actors doing their homework and going over time uh, and to, to really put forth, like, actual characters and, and do, making really kind of cool, fun choices and stuff. Yeah. Um, you've got Charlie Day in there as, as Dr. Newton got Gelsler, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's very funny-ish in this movie. It's like yeah. you can tell he's supposed to be funny. Yeah. It's one of those things. So it's like, you know, this would have been the Rick Moranis role if this was 1986. Yeah. <laughs> except Rick Moranis would have been amazing because yeah. he's a genius. Charlie Day's fine in it, but uh, he's he's just uh, like exposition in the in like the the coolest, you know, funniest way possible. But yeah. all he does is just lift loads and loads of exposition. So well, like it, the, it's the so same. like the other yeah. actors can do the dumb action hero stuff and if i could talk about charlie hunman hunman whatever the sons of anarchy dude for just a second Char- he he falls into this distressing category of actors that i've seen crop up in the last like six or seven years well actually ever since avatar and i include him in the group along with like jai courtney and like sam worthington or it's just like these super good-looking, like Channing Tatum type dudes mm-hmm. who do not actually have personalities. Yeah. Uh, so if and they're, so they're just kind of like they're just there. Yeah. You know? And in all their movies, they show up and they're just sort of there. And like there's there's another character in this movie called Chuck Henson, uh, and he's his father Herc uh, Hercules Henson is uh, they. Uh, pilot of one of the uh, one of the um, uh, mechs, sorry, one of the Jaegers. But uh, it's this Chuck Henson guy is played by an actor called uh, Robert Kaczynski. You could literally switch him and Charlie Hunman's character yeah. halfway through this movie. Uh, I wouldn't notice, <laughs> and, and that's a huge problem. <laughs> well, it's also the fact that the three, I guess, leading white men. Look exactly the exactly same. Exactly this. They could all just be different ages. Yeah. Of one another. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, that is a huge problem because they just, they're just these, yeah. you know, husks. <laughs> yeah. Like just... everyone else looks very diverse and yeah. different, but the the three like top build white guys look exactly the same. Uh, like. <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean Charlie Day looks like a. Like it looks like a Rick Moranis clone, but like you know, that's well, yeah. But like, I'm not talking about know, the scientists. I'm talking about the like, Jaeger, yeah, like the like the Jaeger pilots. Yeah, yeah, they all look the same. The same. So that's same. that's kind of that's you, you know. know, I've got I've got a couple of of problems with the movie, and I think we'll we'll get a little bit further into that when we're we're, we're talking about the plot. But um, you know, for now, let's just say that. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam has not won me over yeah. <laughs> as far as being, uh, you know, the next the next great thing. So it should be noted that 
this movie made over a hundred million dollars at the box office and was still considered a failure and uh it earned 411 million dollars worldwide it was released in july of 2013 and uh and yeah i think it's just that people are so they want to see like original new ideas fail so hardcore that they're just so eager to just like be like oh yeah it sucked and especially if that thing has to do with giant monsters i still think yeah at the time, there was a ton of uh, bad, like, mojo left over from Godzilla 1998. And then people, in a mass scale, were, were, were just ready to be like, Oh, what? They're making another giant monster movie? Fuck you. It's gonna suck. Oh, what? Your movie only made $100 million? Fuck you. You know, <laughs> like, you're a failure. And it's just like, that's obviously insane. If a movie makes $400 million worldwide... That's a profitable movie. Now, I don't know, you know, obviously promotional costs and things like this. I'm not sure how much of a profit it turns. Probably only like $50 million, but it did turn a profit. I mean, they are making a sequel. And it did make $114 million in China, uh, which is ironic considering how, like, Typhoon Fury or whatever the the, the Chinese uh, Jaeger gets killed off. Not unceremoniously, but uh, very early, like not much action with uh, Crimson Typhoon. Well, this is China we're talking about. I mean, this is a, a country that embraced the Charlie Chan films. Yeah. Uh, who, who uh, spoiler alert, was not played by a Chinese man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, th- I think, you know, uh, I guess like any representation is better no- than no representation. Yeah. You know, I mean, like. None of of the other Jaegers are presented as, like, bad people. They're Um, just tough, you know. I did want to discuss the fact that Ron Perlman is in this movie. Yes. Ron Perlman has been the subject of attention, in my mind, ever since The City of Lost Children. Uh, He was also Beast in the Beauty and the Beast TV show in the 80s, which I used to watch because I'm very old. Uh, He was also, most importantly... The uh, voice of Clayface on Batman the Animated Series. Uh-huh. So uh, he's just an amazing character actor and a ton of fun. And he's been in, like, quite a few Del Toro movies. Yeah. Uh, not all of them, but a lot of them. Kronos, uh, where he, he speaks uh, Espanol. Yeah. He's in Blade Two, which Del Toro did direct. So, like, Perlman is... is uh, Pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty much everything he does. And his Hannibal Chow, along with Idris Elba, yeah. the you know, and Mako, those are the three characters that I really, every time, and I've seen this three times yeah. now, I really kind of just go to their characters for, like, something. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, he's and he's amazing in this, and there's a great stinger after the credits with him that I uh, yelled in the theater, uh, you know, when that happened, and people looked at me like I was crazy. But we'll get to that. Oh, we're not crazy. We're not. You're, crazy. you're not crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> uh, this was a full Hollywood production with all the trimmings. That means that they released certain things in conjunction uh, with it, such as a piece of shit uh, cash-in video game for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. More like Xbox 3 shitty. Yeah. Am I right? Uh, well. And if we ever happen to get around to doing a video game-centered uh, episode, 
Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk in more detail about that at that time. There was also a, I think, I'm pretty sure, direct-to-Hulu uh, ripoff called Atlantic Rim. Yes, which, for our good friends yeah. at the Asylum. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the Asylum, or they should be... They should change their motto, their production motto with, we want to make things that are to be confused with. Yeah. Like, not to be confused with? No, no, no. At the asylum, it's to be confused with. That's how yeah. we make our money. I know? mean, hey, it's in the grand tradition of people like Roger Corman and all like, the other... It's in the grand right? tradition of nothing. Money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking hand job. These guys are like... Hey, fucking, you know, swindlers. Are you saying that you've had... I'm saying jobs? that the asylum is nothing but... Look, they're given, you know, uh, they're giving a bunch of B, you know, former celebrity actors work. So for that, that's good. But you know, giving them like you know Scott Bayo something to do. <laughs> I think he was the star of like American Battleship or whatever, which was the asylum version of Battleship. Whatever. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. That's that's the scale of Pacific Rim. Yeah. There was an asylum ripoff movie of it. That's how you know. Uh, and there was also uh, the score, which was uh, released, um, you know, via the cloud or what have you. And um, fucking awesome. And there was also <laughs> yeah, and there's the music by the guy who does the music for uh, Game of Thrones and uh, and Iron, the Iron Man movies. I think the music actually, uh, it, you know, w- just works not only just well with this film but it's just it's great music it's like you know zeppelin meets kaiju yeah oh, <laughs> the music is is uh fantastic and i w- i would say that the music in pacific rim makes a choice to actually like be memorable in an age where it seems like it's almost become a crime to have like memorable themes yeah. in these blockbuster movies it's like tell me what is the theme of you know thor i don't know yeah. what's the theme of man of steel well that i know because hans zimmer was the only person who actually kept it real in that movie but like what well, you know what was the theme of like fucking the green hornet or like you yeah. like you can't or remember. even the last godzilla film or yeah like, it, what what was the music like it, yeah it's all just sort of this plotting stuff so at least pacific rim has some catchy like themes in it and and that heavy know, rock good. and roll you know, yeah. you, you want to jam out. Um, I work out to that music. There was a prequel graphic novel called Pacific Rim Tales from Year Zero uh, that was written by Travis Beecham, who actually, Travis Beecham, uh, wrote, the script. wrote the script along with Guillermo del Toro. So that was cool. And it featured cover art from Alex Ross, who is just like an amazing uh artist in the in the world of comic books and really in his own right in in the art world i mean he's done some some amazing stuff he made a a book uh that's been about 15 years now uh called kingdom come Mm -hmm. which was just an amazing piece of art so you know the the point is top level talent involved except maybe the guys working on the video game uh and and so and you get a, a really unique uh fun movie Oh, and it it uh, it outgrossed Grown Ups too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Fuck Grown Ups too. Yeah. Fuck it hard. <laughs> uh, it, it's opening day. It outgrossed Grown Ups too, yeah. uh, and that's all we're going to discuss on this program. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you.
now, boys and girls, it's time to meticulously dissect the plot. It's fun saying it. I see why you say it all the time. There's a lot of fun words in that little, um, your little catchphrase. You hate me, don't you? That's what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I don't hate, Mike? I don't hate Pacific Rim. Yeah. As much as I hate you. Uh, <laughs> barely holding it together. Barely holding it together. Oh, uh, what have we become? <laughs> Which should have been the opening line to this film. Uh, instead, it was not. Uh, at the beginning of this film, uh, we're given, uh, I guess, a bit of a explanatory dialogue from uh, Mr. Beckett, uh, who we have not met yet. Um, I mean, it's more than a bit. It's like, yeah, you it, could it's do a good like, sequence. You could do like five movies. Yeah. Based off of the amount of like exposition it, in this opening montage, and it, I saw yeah. this in two D, but you can kind of tell where they would have like the three D effect kind of like would have yeah. maybe given you a ooh moment. But it starts off where you think in space because he's talking about like oh we looked at the stars and thought like life would come out of there, but it didn't. It came from the sea, and the genius is we think we're in space, but we're really under the water right. and that's cool and there's this rift in uh the ocean crust and we're told like this is where the kaiju came from and this uh is very lovecraftian this this film like kind of like uh, with all this you know kaiju toho Dae, ultraman king kong stuff the fact that it has uh what makes this unique is that this like lovecraftian touch which del toro has right. like it's del toro's touch and he comes from like a lovecraftian background yeah um you know uh the idea that you know uh, beings from another dimension who are indifferent to man you know come out and conquer the world yeah this is all like very lovecraftian uh, coincidentally uh del toro was working on a project which i think is still in limbo but at the time it was uh the mountain of madness based on yeah. the lovecraft yeah. uh, story so uh yeah so we uh, see that the first kaiju came and it destroyed what like three cities and was eventually taken down yeah the like, and, uh knife head is yeah. what they call it and the the first attack of Knifehead, he, he attacks San Francisco, mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be in the year 2013. So yeah. it was supposed to be that year. It was yeah. supposed to, you know, so that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, it takes them three days uh, to to kill it, and, and they, you know, I th well, I'm sorry, I, no, no, it's like five days and like three cities yeah like it's implied later. that he like destroys the west coast the west coast <laughs> basically so like um and and it's done with conventional weapons, weapons tanks yeah. planes and, and 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 that that would be your you know your godzilla movie if you're gonna do you know one of these things essentially it's sort of it, it, the way the, this this opening montage plays out, yeah. you could have taken out the kaiju's from the Pacific Rim universe, and you could just drop in the kaiju's from the Toho universe. And the timing of it, you know, every year or so, another yeah. one of these things comes back, pretty much fits up. I mean, yeah. it, they 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 essentially lay out this history that like. You know, what if the events in Godzilla really happened? Like all the Godzilla movies, yeah. you know, and like. And, and, like, what if all of a sudden in real life a giant monster came and was defeated 
and then like a year later, another one. Or yeah. actually, in this, it's only six months later. Yeah. And like, and then like a few months after that, and a few months after that. So that is really cool. Yeah. And boy, do I wish they would have spent more time on it. Like, I could have watched like twenty minutes of this recap. You know. Yeah. I, I really would have gotten into that. Um, but I guess that maybe that's what the comic book is covers or something. I don't know. I suppose, but I think this movie was meant to be like quick and to the point. Right. You know, we don't, I mean. And to be clear, I yeah. think it's an interesting choice that the mo- the majority of the movie takes place in the year 2025. Yeah. Uh, and that's like in the, in the dying years of, of these things. So sorry, we're jumping around a little bit. Essentially it's, it's, uh, determined that the only way to fight these giant monsters is to build giant robots called yeah. Jaegers. Yeah. So, that's, and that's that's amazing. That's so, so stupid and so great. Yeah. Well, it's like the, the Ava series. I'm sure there are people who like are more in-depth to the Ava series than I am, but in Evangelion, they fight the angels with, mon- with organic monsters right. of their own. This is different where we make... Uh, non-organic robots um and there's a there's a staggering stupidity to the whole logic of it because nine out of ten times in this movie when it comes to like you know when it's like uh put up or shut up time to take actually kill the kaiju yeah they shoot them with the plasma cannon or they they shoot them with like the the missiles or whatever and it's like you could have just had a take that had shot the plasma cannon or like shot these missiles that like you know, the one that takes down the crustacean in Mako's dream or, or her experience or whatever, or when it breaks the wall. Like, you, like, even in the movie, like, you don't really need the Jaegers, but it's like. It's cool. It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's so much fun yeah. to see these giant robots fight these yeah. monsters that it's like, fuck it. And that's, yeah. you know, that's kind of like... I, this is pulp storytelling. Yeah. That's what this is about. This right. is not about like, oh, well, would this character actually do that? It doesn't matter. Right. It The character is going to do what's the coolest, what's right. going to satisfy the audience more. Like, you know, the one-armed swordsman is not about Jimmy Wang Yu getting his arm cut off and then deciding, well, I'm going to be a farmer, and then we see him yeah. farm. It's like, no, I have to, like, save my master and figure out how to do that with only one arm. Right. My left arm, my weakest arm. Right. And, you know, the same thing with this. Well, it, it's, it's applying that, that, that storyteller craft and that showmanship to, over a larger framework. So yeah. it's taking, like, the kaiju. It's like, look... You know what we want to see. Yeah. It's it's the kaiju fighting these giant robots. Yeah. So, like, we're going to kind of, like, weave, a, like, as realistic a story as possible. Yeah. But if you ever stop to think about it for more than four seconds, it is completely ludicrous. But like, like Cinemax. Well, yeah, but, well, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you, you're talking about there, Nathan. Many of the films I see late night on Cinemax have very... Uh, real-world uh, plot th- through lines that I have found to mirror my real-life experience uh, quite well. With uh, single uh, <laughs> mothers and uh, you know, getting, rich right, uh, exactly. widow. Get, getting stuck in an elevator and having no choice but to have sex. Uh, anyways, because <laughs> that's what you do. If the emergency response button doesn't work. Um, anyways, but yeah, like it does. It's it's. And it's the commitment of from, of Del Toro uh, to honor those traditions set up in 
in the Godzilla films and in uh, you know those other things, and that's why it's awesome. Yeah, and and and, and taking those traditions and then embellishing it with a with a crazy flourish. Yeah, I'm sorry, we went off on a huge tangent there. We we're supposed to be talking about the plot. Yeah. Uh, uh, so this montage like sets, uh, as we said, sets up the fact that you know now the only way we can fight monsters is with monsters of right, our own. Right. So uh, apparently that like works well. Uh, and, uh, this guy, Beckett, and his brother, uh, Beckett number two. Other Beckett. Fuck it. He has, a, he has a name. <laughs> yes, it's look, they look exactly the same, it's not, okay? It's not important. Y- Yancey. Yancey. Okay. Yeah. So this Yancey boy, uh, and his brother, uh, uh, are piloting, um, Gypsy Danger, Gypsy which Danger, is, uh, yes. I guess the, uh, one, one of the, be- or one, one of the, uh, the best uh, Jaeger uh, teams, like, in the world. Um, yes. And it's, we're, we're told that the reason there has to be two pilots is the fact, uh, well, <laughs> the reason is because it's cool. The, well, uh, the, the reason, reason is, is because togetherness is the main yeah, theme of I mean, the movie. It's all about overcoming tragedy and indifference with teamwork. Right. So, uh, in, in this case, the idea is, uh, I guess, Similar to Evangelion, you have to like merge with your mech, so that way you're in sync with the machine. In this case, though, unlike uh, Evangelion, it needs two people because the mechs are so big, so big, so huge and girthy. Yeah. They uh, to take that load, to take yeah. that yeah. neural load in the uh, face. In the yeah. face, you need at least two people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I see what you're getting. Yeah, out there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, science. You're a wordsmith. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, naturally, uh, when it comes to uh, taking a massive load, uh, it's best uh, two people right, who are on the same page, who are on the same page, and in this case, twin brothers. I've never been more disappointed. All right, this is, okay, this, so. is, this is burgeoning it into your own lustful desires. Continue going with the fucking plot. Okay, so two brothers. So two brothers. The Beckett brothers, Pilot Gypsy Danger, and they're apparently the best. Right. Um... Well, they think they're the best. And they go out, like, on another mission, and, you know, it's the typical, like, oh, but there are civilians in the area, and Idris Elba is Pentecost, like, you know, pure sex Amazing. right just there. Great. Just great. Elba is just And amazing. he's just like, you will not, you know, take out, you will not save a boat of ten, you know. and Risk a city of two million. Yeah. Is it, that understood? You know, just, yes, yes, yes. So, of course, naturally, as these stories go, they disobey that order yeah. on purpose. That's like the first thing they do. I think every order <laughs> that Idris Elba gives in this movie is disobeyed. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's just like, we in the real world would never say no to Idris Elba. Right. He, he could tell us, you know, I want you to kill your own mother and I want to watch that slowly. Got, okay. Like, I know we're joking around. That got real dark. Yeah. No. Just now. But you that know got, you have to big. do that. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm not, all right. Conti- I mean, continue. I'm not okay. signing off on that. But I'll continue. In this movie, like no one actually listens to his orders. That's the thing. Why? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the amazing thing. But um, anyways, so um, they fight. They like rescue the ship as it's about to be attacked by this uh, kaiju. Yes. Uh, and by they just to be totally clear, they're in this thing, this mech called Gypsy Danger, that I and, just, and yeah. it is gigantic, <laughs> yeah. and it's a humanoid robot, two arms, two legs, walking around in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah, so nuclear powered. Right. 
Uh, What's the wrong way to say nuclear? Or am I saying it wrong now? Nuclear. Nuclear. No clear. Nuclear is how I always grew up (laughs) saying it. Okay. You know what? We'll just call it. In Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, it's Nuclear Man. Okay. So that's probably wrong because they fucked up every other thing in that movie. Well, so. you know what? Let's just call it Riggins from now right. on. So Riggins. it's running on full Riggins. All right. Uh, Good. Anyway. That's quite the callback. <laughs> so anyways, uh, this Riggins run machine is um, yeah, fighting the kaiju. And uh, because they disobeyed Idris Elba, naturally, um, plot-wise, something bad has to happen. So... Uh, while fighting this kaiju, uh, the kaiju gets the upper hand. It bashes through the um, it, it bashes through uh, Gypsy Danger's um, face yeah. and rips out the uh, other Beckett. Which seems brother. like a very effective tactic. That yeah. None of the other Jaeger or none of the other kaiju's figure out. Yeah. So his brother is dead. His brother's dead, and Who, they by were. By the way, his con- brother looks exactly like him. Yeah. A fourth person who could be a clone. Yeah. And they were, like, connected via the, the drift, yeah. the, the neural load. and that, Which is sort it, of an is- interesting concept yeah. that, like, his brother gets killed. Yeah. And so, like, his brain, Charlie Hunnam's brain, sort of gets killed because it's sort of in the drift with his brother. So, yeah. like, he goes to the other side yeah. for a second, which is, like, an amazing and totally awesome concept that they do not, like, he says it one time to Idris Elba uh, later on in the movie. Yeah. But, like, that's a really interesting concept that they do nothing with. But, anyways, continue. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, like, not only have they, like, lost, but, uh, like, his brother's dead. And from this point out, point on, like, we cut to years later where he's been, I guess, he left or was kicked out of uh, the Jaeger team. And now Jaegers are no longer... Uh, what the world believes in anymore. They right. believe in a wall. They believe in a wall. They believe in a out. wall. To keep them out. Keep them kajus out of our beach property. This movie was directed by a Mexican director. Yeah. And I don't think that is... Any coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence <laughs> at all. That it's like the, 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 you know, that he paints this uh, collective, this council or whatever, who are shutting down the Jaegers and just be like, no, we can keep these assholes out, you know, with this giant wall that we're making, yeah. and that that is proven to be ineffective in a very spectacular fashion. Yeah. Uh, that is not a coincidence at all. No. There is, like, that's no. not even, that's not even subtext. Not that's e- text. Yeah, like, not not even, because not even, like, five minutes later, like... The wall breaks. The down. wall breaks like butter. Yeah, and, and that, that and scene almost plays like a scene out of, like, the Naked Gun series. Because yeah. it's like, <laughs> you actually hear people watching the TV... Because uh, it's in Australia, one of these kaijus breaks yeah. through uh, this this giant wall that they're supposed to build instead of the Jaeger program. You know, they they tell Idris Elba we're shutting down the Jaegers. You have another eighty days of funding, and then that's it. And we're putting all of our money into this giant concrete wall that's just gonna, I guess, go around the entire coast of all of these cities or yeah. possibly the. Every continental space, yeah. like which I don't know if there's enough concrete to do that, but anyways, um, and almost like uh, one scene later, or like it's it's like two minutes later, they show this thing in uh, attacking Sydney, Australia, and just easily breaking through the wall, and it's on like a newscast, yeah. you know, and you could hear someone in the bar or wherever they are being like, "Why are we even building 
Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, why are you even building yeah. this wall? This is not a good idea. No. You know? Like maybe dropping the wall. Yeah. On uh, on the kaiju's and like, or you know, or playing the wall. Maybe you know, country music worked in Mars Attacks. Maybe Pink Floyd would work on the kaiju. Yes. In this. In this yes. Um, yes. I'll sure. shut up now. <laughs> You kill the momentum, you keep it going. <laughs> okay, anyways. So from the window to the wall, anyways. Uh, uh, so then, uh, almost on cue, Idris Elba shows up uh, in Idris Elba style with right. uh, an armed escort uh, on a helicopter. And uh, he talks to Beckett and, you know, it's just and like... Beckett is working on the wall. Yeah. I'm sorry, we're doing a terrible job of actually recapping what is happening in this movie. But Beckett is in Gypsy Danger. His brother gets killed. He has to quit. Yeah. So now this is like, you know, several years later. And um, it's five years later. Yeah. And he, Beckett, is working on the wall. The, the wall. Yeah. And he's disgraced. Yeah. And this, working on this wall, by the way, looks like those... Um, pictures you always see in sort of generic uh pizza parlors of uh-huh. like uh <laughs> building the empire state building and those guys eating their lunch up on the rafters or yeah. whatever you know uh that's what it looks like only times two or three like and enough like sparks coming from machines like to to make a david hasselhoff music video yes, like there's just like sparks and steel you know just everywhere yeah um so Idris Elba comes and finds him and basically says, uh, everyone else is dead. Uh, yeah. so I need so, you. Yeah. I, yeah. I need, I need to get your sorry ass to Hong Kong, uh, where we're going to make the last stand. And he does. Yeah. He, uh, they go to Hong Kong and we are then introduced to Mako, uh, yes. Mako Mori. Mako Mori. She's, uh, from Japan. And, uh, yeah. Uh, played by Rinku... Uh, Kikuchi. I believe who was in, uh, she played the deaf girl in Babel, directed by... Yes, that was her. Inaratu. And Uh, she was also just in a movie called, uh, Kumiko. Kumiko. The, uh, The Treasure Hunter, Mm -hmm. which is a really interesting movie. If anyone gets a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. It's, It's not one of these crazy action movies or whatever, but it's got something on its mind that's pretty unique. Very weird, but she is great. She's like, she's amazing in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, there was more of her. So we're introduced to her. Uh, and she has this, like, relationship with, uh, Pentecost that, um, we're, n- we're not quite sure about, but it seems like father daughter. Yeah. But, uh, we're, we're a little confused about her origins, like where she fits in, except for the fact that she is like on like the research and development team and she wants to be a Jaeger pilot. We find out why later. Right. But, uh, from now, uh, it's just, uh, Idris Elba giving explanatory dialogue about how this is no longer like a fighting force. We're now the resistance. Right. Uh, we're, we're like the like last the underground. Po- Yeah. Because, again, the man is going with this ludicrous wall idea yeah. that is destined to fail and already failing, you know. So, yeah. like, even though it is failing, they're still, like, the resistance somehow. Yeah. They're, like, the last uh, bastion. So the last uh, uh, Jaegers they are still left. So supposedly there were hundreds of them at one point, and now they've all been cut down. Because the kaiju keep getting bigger. This is another thing. The kaiju... 
go by categories, and they seem to keep coming. They seem to all be a little different, and they all seem to be a little bigger. They seem to be able to adapt to what humanity throws at them. So we adapt to them, but they adapt to us. Which is an, an ingenious and, I think, essential way of solving the problem that all of the kaiju basically look the same. Yeah. In this movie. So you need, like, a shorthand solution like that to, like, differentiate why this new one is more threatening than this last one and so on and so forth. So that was a very smart Mm -hmm. move on their part. Yeah. And um, so from there we see, like, the last uh, few Jaegers left. So we've got, what, Crimson Typhoon from... China. Yeah, there's one that just looks like a like a nuclear reactor, like from The Simpsons. Uh, that's oh, from the Russia. Russia. Yeah. yeah, I think that was based on some kind of tank design, but it, it looks something about it just looks very Russian. Yeah, like it looks you, very you look Russian. at it and you you think like, yeah, the Tsar. I mean, had to have designed that. The design in this movie yeah. is it just top notch, just amazing. Yeah, um, and the level of detail is is totally unprecedented. Uh, in in any other kaiju movie and most like action movies. Yeah. And mean, Del Toro, while this film is, I think, more CG heavy than most Del Toro films, Del Toro knows how to perfectly balance the ballet between uh, the CGI and like real set pieces. Yes. Like he knows the right way to blend it. Pan's Labyrinth, fantastic. Pacific Rim, top notch. So uh, with that. Um, We're in a place, by the way, called the Shatter Dome yes. in Hong Kong, which is just like an amazing name for a place. Yes. And uh, we're, we're introduced in the Shatter Dome to, to Mako Mori uh, and, and who we were just discussing, um, and also Charlie Day's character and, and uh, a couple other folks here. Clifton uh, Collins Jr., uh, plays a Chinese American Jaeger technician who's always around, and uh, it, it's interesting because he's obviously like Latino descent, but like his character's supposed to be American Chinese. So that was—I don't know where they're getting that from, but uh, go for it. I don't care. It's like it's I great. guess. He's, I mean, he's, I, I he's think great in it. I think that was more important for the actor to know and yeah. not for us to know. Yeah. That's just to give him enough depth. Yeah, I mean, he's great so, in it though. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Burn. The other main character is uh, Burn Gorman plays uh, Doctor Herman uh, Goltiab, who's like the almost like the Doctor Wiley to Charlie Day's Doctor Light. Yeah, I mean, they're both scientists. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I see Dr. Herman has the potential to turn evil more. And he's very, like, yeah. pompous. Almost like C-3PO, if C-3PO yeah. was a human. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 that sort of thing. Where he's just like, oh, well, very good job. Yeah. You know, but you see thing. pairs of twos. They yeah. come in a pair of two. And, you know, Marco and Beckett, pair of two. I think the only person who's like kind of on his own is Idris Elba, but then he teams up with the uh, the Aussie dad, yeah, uh, the other white dude, uh, and well, the son. Know, this is, See, that's the oh problem. yeah, the son. You, sorry. you can't even tell. Chuck, yeah, sorry. Chuck Henson. Yeah, that's right. He teams up with the son, not the dad. They're the same character. Oh they all my look god. The same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 teams up uh, with him, uh, and that I think maybe that's kind of his character arc where he has to kind of like. Drift again. He has yeah, to go yeah. back yeah. in phase. He has to team up again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah, a bunch of bunch of human characters. It's not 
really important what they do. We're going to keep this more on a kaiju movie <laughs> related yeah. Uh, uh, review. Yeah, they so, they do stuff. They, they do talk. A lot of they, stuff. They, they do they talk a lot. Stuff. They None fight. Of it's particularly original. Yeah. or important. Uh, but we find out uh, that Mako um, wants to be a Jaeger pilot, and we find out the reason is once she's training with Beckett to pilot Gypsy Danger, who is not Gypsy Danger is not the star. Gypsy Danger is running defense yeah. for everyone else because yeah. it's the older model. Yeah. That's that's the idea. So uh, they're learning, and due to the drift, you know, memories go back and forth. So Beckett gets into Mako's head, and because of that, he understands her backstory. And we, the audience, follow her like literally down the rabbit hole because they tell her, "Don't chase the rabbit." Yeah, and she does. And we find out that when she was a little girl, Kaiju came to uh, Japan, blew up, I get, killed her parents, and she was alone and was almost killed herself by this, like, Ebro-looking yeah. uh, Kaiju. It's a big crustacean Kaiju. Idris cool. Elba. I mean, we find this out a little later, but Idris Elba is the one that uh, killed the Kaiju, and he adopted her. Just... Real quick, while we're on the topic of this crustacean kaiju, it's my favorite one in the whole movie because it's the only one where the sort of vague animal shape that they assign to different kaijus matches up the best with also sort of the vague kaiju design that's distributed to all the kaijus, if that makes any sense. So it's like, it makes the most sense for this thing to either be an insectoid or a crustacean. Mm -hmm. So as as with that... Uh, I'd say this this uh, snapping or this uh, lobster kaiju looks the coolest. It's the most memorable. Yeah, and I'm sure it would go great with cheddar biscuits. Yes. Anyways, um, so from kind of the the failed training, uh, we we cut to uh, Newt, and, who believes that he can uh, drift. With the kaiju brain, Newt being uh, Doctor Newton, aka Charlie Day's sort of shortened name, yeah. possibly a reference to Aliens, the character Newt in that, or uh, just the name War with the Newts or, by Carol uh, yeah. Chopak, or of... Fig Newton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The point is, Charlie Day, uh, uh, his character arc is very similar to Bill Pullman in Independence Day because he, yeah. he does the mind drift. Yeah, mind drift, and uh, like Independence Day, via the drift, he finds out that there's an invasion force. Yeah, he, he drifts, specifically, he drifts with a kaiju brain, like a piece of kaiju brain yeah. found. Yeah. And uh, he finds out that basically, you know, these kaijus, the ones that have been showing up are just like the hound dogs, or like the, like, they're not even like the real soldiers, they're just like nothing, they're like the janitors or something, like, they're not, so like, the real kaijus have yet, they've yet to see any of the real bad guys yeah. or whatever, uh, which is kind of a cool idea, and he also t- says that like, they had a trial run, and it was that they made the dinosaurs extinct, which tell, tells me that like the kaiju's like time sense of time, if like the t- <laughs> if they made the dinosaurs extinct two hundred and fifty million years ago, you know, I, it I, seems like I, why would they wait? The, I, I thought they were talking man? about that they couldn't appear during the time of the dinosaurs because the air was too clean. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. It they was too it was too clean. They practically and, terraformed it for yeah. them. Is the line? 
you know. And uh, which I thought was really smart and like, yeah. really. I'm yeah. still not getting rid of my diesel-powered sex toys. I'm just putting that out right right now. Uh, I mean, some this, things, this movie has not scared me out of using those. So. You're putting it out there. Some things you can keep inside, though, like <laughs> your sex toys. Nate. Uh, anyways, Fat Riker. Anyways. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of stuff. There's like an hour of exposition, and then, like, the you get to, like, the first major hoedown with, yeah. uh, with the Jaegers. And this, and, like, and, and, and this is paralleled with Newt needing to get another brain so he can drift again right. and find out more. Pentecost wants more because, from Pentecost's point of view, we have to get rid of the uh, the link, yeah, the uh, the wormhole under the sea. You know, he wants to nuke it and right. destroy it from the inside. Apparently, they've tried it before. But it couldn't go through, so he needs to actually like get it in there and destroy it from the inside. That's right. his idea. So uh, Newt has to meet up a guy with a guy in downtown Hong Kong, which kind of looks like Blade Runner uh, at this point. Yeah. Um, and uh, the use of color is absolutely amazing. Beautiful, in this movie. Just uh, delicious. So, yeah, yeah. Candy colored, and so nice to see a blockbuster that's not afraid to use color. Yeah, Ahem, <laughs> Zack Snyder. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, so he meets up with uh, Hannibal Chow, who is this... Uh, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Just delicious, you know, piece of character, he's like a, right here. He's a black market dude who deals with um, uh, kaiju organs. Yeah, kaiju organs, kaiju lice, kaiju excrement, everything. Uh, and he happens to have... Uh, or he doesn't have uh, a brain. Uh, but... He doesn't have a kaiju brain. Yeah, uh, in his stock. He doesn't have a kaiju brain. The character in his stock. Hannibal Chow has a brain. Has a brain. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but uh, Perlman notices something as soon as the uh, the air raid sirens start going or the kaiju sirens start going off. Is the fact that uh, there's something wrong with uh, Mister Newt's eye, uh, and you know Perlman, being I guess a kaiju expert, is like they're they're coming for you. Right. Like you, you can tell this by looking at yeah. Charlie Day's eyes. <laughs> Even though I don't think anyone else has ever drifted with the kaiju yeah. before, so I'm not quite clear. I how think he Ron says Perlman it like it goes it. both ways or something. Yeah, like Ron, like they should. Hannibal Chow should be the head of the yeah. things. Like, who's this like black market dude who like has all this great? You know, hire him. Yeah. Uh, for the Shatterdome, you know. Well, like, I don't think guys, Ron Perlman wanted to work for a government well, salary. Yeah, but you talk about themes of togetherness. Yeah. It's like, get this guy involved. Yeah. Like, he's obviously uh, full of surprises. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, they all go to their shelters. Uh, obviously, Ron Perlman goes to a special, you know, right. presumably gold-plated, uh, le- uh, not leather, um, velvet, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> covered. He, Ron Perlman goes to his own personal shelter. Uh, and then Charlie Day is um, sent to the public the, shelter. Yeah, sent to the public shelter, which looks like a very big set that they had to build. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, yeah, and and then Gypsy Danger is basically a backup, or it's not even Gypsy Danger isn't even involved or initially planned on being involved with the first conflict because you've got two kaiju showing up. Uh, in the ocean off the coast of Hong Kong. One and, is like a dragon. Yeah. And the other one is looks like a gorilla. Yeah. And because of Mako's um, 
previous issues, they didn't want Gypsy Danger to go out. It right. requires two people, and you know, because of uh, I guess her uh, her story arc is that is vengeance, right? You know, and dealing with the past, you know, and it's only uh, with her like trusting Beckett that like her arc is complete. Yeah. You know, and this isn't like a romance. This isn't, you know, a lesser film would have had them as like, uh, uh have some romance going there. No, these yeah. are like co-workers, brother and sister. That's the kind of bond they have. Yeah. Um, so it's about trust. You know, yeah. you could have two guys or two girls in the same situation. Um, but this is just, uh, I don't know, just, it just works between the two of them. Yeah. Well, it's the unconventional choice. So it's yeah. more interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically early on in the fight, um, which takes place at night during the rain, uh, no doubt to help sell the particle effects that then in turn help sell the enormous size of these characters. Yeah. Um, and that's something you see frequently and something that certainly happened a lot in, in uh, 2014's Godzilla, that it's during the night and there's usually some rain involved yeah basically the russian and the chinese uh jaegers get disabled by the you know this this duo first they're fighting like the dragon kaiju but then the the gorilla kaiju shows up and they're fighting for a while but the gorilla kaiju releases an emp yeah it like farts an emp like blast that knocks out um all the other jaegers so you know they're back at the shatter dome and uh they're like what are we gonna do? All the, you know, all the Jaegers are digital. And uh, Charlie Hunnam's like, no, Gypsy, she's analog. Yeah. Which I don't even know what that means because obviously yeah. Gypsy has a lot of digital and, quite frankly, electronic components. Yeah. So which an Gypsy, EMP, we discussed yeah, this yeah, in yeah, last yeah. year in 2014. Yeah. So Godzilla. it must be. It like, must not, not how be, an EMP works. It must not be an EMP yeah. or like it's a cheat basically. Yeah. But like, your record player will not work after an EMP. Right, right. Like I'm sorry, hipsters. That's yeah. just not how it works. So like, <laughs> yeah, the. Um, they they send in Gypsy Danger and Gypsy Danger uh, kicks the shit out of this. First, it, it, it defeats the uh, I'm going to refer to it as the King Kong kaiju, yeah. you know, the gorilla looking one, and that's a pretty awesome, very brutal, lots of punching in the face, like like rocket punches, and yeah. like very very violent. Uh, there's a part where they go they they make landfall and uh, they the Gypsy picks up. Two giant cargo containers in both hands, and then just like smashes yeah um, the uh, the gorilla kaiju uh, in in the face yeah um, they kill it, and yeah. then as they're turning away, they're like, wait, let's just make yeah, sure yeah. they turn around and they like if it wasn't dead before, it's yeah. definitely I dead now. I refer to this as the scream too. <laughs> they're like, is Laurie Metcalf dead? Let's shoot her in the face just yeah. in case. Spoiler alert on Scream 2, uh, Laurie Metcalf <laughs> is the bad guy. Sorry, you had since 1996 to watch it. Um, so anyways, uh, yes. the uh, And then and then Gypsy fights... Um, the Rodan. The, the Rodan. Well, yeah, we don't know it has wings until pretty late into this yeah. fight in, in downtown Hong Kong. Gypsy uses 
a uh, a boat and smashes it in the face. Yeah, which is just fantastic. Yeah, you know, it's, and like it's just like boat. yes. Yeah, it's like Gypsy. Like it's not even. We don't even know if there, there might still be people on that yeah. boat, but like it doesn't matter, you know. And there's there's definitely still people like in the cars or whatever. Yeah. But like Guillermo del Toro, he, like he understands sort of the stupid logic of kaiju movies, where yeah. it's like we don't see the people in the cars. You don't go to the people when Godzilla picks up a tank and throws it. We don't show an inside yeah. camera shot of the tank and the guys be like, yeah. And like dying horribly because that's that, that's not fun. That's not what it's all about. Yeah. It's like it's it's the recreate. We're getting into a weird. Yeah. We're getting we are getting into sort of a weird area now where directors, like Hollywood directors making Hollywood movies, are recreating conditions that were facilitated out of desperation by model makers in Toho, where they couldn't make little model people yeah. put in the cars and like the stuff. So. What happens, and what have we discussed on this show many times? These brilliant cityscapes are essentially ghost towns. Yeah. And so now you have a perfectly realistically rendered Hong Kong, complete with cars, complete with this giant boat that Gypsy yeah. uses as a baseball bat, <laughs> that it's a ghost town, yeah. you know, which is great. It, you it, know? It's, 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 it's bloodless. The, it's yeah. the opposite of Man of Steel, yeah. <laughs> where everyone is dying. Exactly. <laughs> uh, much better than Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, this also goes, this actually kind of works with Del Toro's oeuvre because he's always into, uh, fantasy and, uh, not so much mythology, but fairy tales. So, uh, and fairy tales, the logic of mythology kind of like mimics life, whereas fairy tales, things happen because they do. And he always talks about, uh, the spiny devil and that, uh, in the story of the spiny devil, if you pull one of the spines from the devil's back, he tells you, uh... He tells you like a story, or he tells, or you're allowed to ask him a question. Why? Because you pulled the spine out of his back. There's nothing more than that. Yeah. That's that's the story. Right. You know, that's the logic of the story. And this works well uh, when utilizing it in a kaiju film because this like kind of idea has already been pre-established due to economic desperation. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, it all comes full circle. Right. Um. And this fight is the best fight in the movie by far. Yeah. And it features, and I'll just go ahead and talk about this, two two moments that stand out. Other, well, three, with the, including the baseball bat uh, boat thing, <laughs> which is just fucking amazing. But there's a scene where uh, Gypsy punches through a building yeah. and hits a Newton's cradle. Yes. And it's, a, it's an absolutely amazing shot yeah. uh, that was done with using uh, bigotures. Uh, with some of our our friends uh, from uh, not Wingnut Films, but you know Del Toro did a lot of work on The Hobbit mm-hmm. before he made uh, Pacific Rim. So like he was working with those guys. So like he like you know, Weta or yeah, like the top dudes. I'm not sure if it was Weta, but like people from Weta maybe came over to Legendary. Um, you know that's all Warner Brothers, so it's all kind of under one roof. Uh-huh. The point is they use the bigature technology established on the Lord of the Rings movies to pull off this shot. So it's not just computers; it's they really built this set of the of Gypsy's fist punching through this building and then going up to this this little Newton's cradle, uh, and that's why it works because I think you can tell there's a tangible weight to things, yeah, and, and you can tell that it's real, other than just having it be like you know a CG shit show like fucking man of steel but like um the uh the other part i wanted to talk about that people give they when they talk about pacific rim in a negative way 
or whatever, they talk about how at the end of this fight, the, the, the Rodan dragon kaiju takes Gypsy into outer space. Yeah. And is going to, I don't know, just fly <laughs> into space. Yeah. Uh, away from Earth. And it is at this point that uh, Mako uh, remembers, like, you know, they've deployed all their weapons except for, when, you know, what they have a sword. Yeah. They have a sword option. And it comes out and it chops this fucking thing in yeah. half. And it's like a lot of people, when they first watch this movie, I heard people being like, well, it's so stupid. You know, you see these like fucking how it should have ended videos, yeah. honest trailer things where it's like, you know, it's much easier to tear something down than to create it. Number one. And number two, I don't think you guys understand uh, the rules of showmanship. Yeah. And it goes as such. If you've ever seen a single episode of Power Rangers, they never ever just go up to like whatever monster Rita has made and summon the power sword immediately. Yeah. It's always the last ditch thing. It's the final plan after all the other plans have failed. And that's because it's like there's there's a certain there's a certain grandeur, there's a certain design to these things and it must be honored, logic be damned, you know, Real, real world uh, guile be damned. You know they have to not use that sword until the last possible moment because it's more awesomer that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's just that's it. That's why. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, right. that's, that's why. how this works. Yeah. You know, this isn't. You know, th- this isn't uh, streetcar named desire. This isn't a Marlon Brando film. Right. This is an action film. Right. This is. Uh, that's what it's all about. So uh, they kill the dragon, kaiju, and um, uh, Charlie Day comes out of the destroyed shelter, and he goes up to this newly killed kaiju, and he's like, oh, I gotta get the brain, but the brain is gonna die in five minutes or whatever, so it's already dead or whatever, so you can't use it. But then... Hannibal Chow has his guys go in to, like, harvest the organs, and there's a little heartbeat, and it turns out that... Heartbeat is a love beat, and a love beat is a good vibration. Indeed. I'm sorry. Uh, Indeed. Uh, This is the DeFranco family. uh, (laughs) And, yes, there's a little baby, little baby dragon kaiju, and so I guess the kaijus are are pregnant and maybe this has never happened before. That was a little weird. Maybe it's like the triples. Because I thought they were clones. (laughs) I don't know. I guess you could have pregnant clones. It makes sense, I guess, but you know, whatever. Um, and the point is, like Ron Perlman gets eaten by this little baby clone. Like it, it, it comes out in very spectacular fashion. He's chasing uh, Charlie Day and Ron Perlman, and then Ron Perlman like sticks his, his uh, butterfly knife into it. He's like, "Yeah, I was never scared or whatever." After he was clearly scared, yeah. And then it, like you know, it, it goes. <laughs> it's not really dead, and it, it comes out, and it eats them and it's and then it chokes and and then then, it it chokes and then it dies and it's a very 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 funny scene much funnier (laughs) ron perlman doesn't even have to try and he's funnier than charlie day um in this movie now don't a word on charlie day he's funny and it's always sunny in philadelphia and he's very funny in the first horrible bosses okay not part two but like you know, he's a funny guy. He can be a funny guy. This part, again, is just sort of the lazy kind of, oh, he's quirky, so he's funny yeah. part. So, like, whatever. But this is where Newt and Herman have their, like, arc because they've been disagreeing with each other because Herman is very, like, into numbers. 
he's very into numbers, and Nude is very into, uh, I guess, what... Uh, Tattoos of kaiju? Theory. Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. he's into theory. He's into other stuff. He doesn't believe that everything has, like, an exact logical uh, pattern to it. He believes that there's, like, uh, another way. He thinks outside the box. Yeah. Uh, so they decide to uh, take the load together. This is Herman's words. Uh, and uh, so they both drift with the kaiju brain. They both go deep. And they realize they were both wrong, but they were both right. So half of what they thought was going on was right, and half of what they thought was wrong. So Herman was right. There were going to be three uh, kaijus coming. You know, he, he had a certain number that, you know, by this data, we should be seeing three. They just fought two. So where's the third one? Right. Uh, and it wasn't the, the baby. You know, there should be a third one coming through the drift. On top of that, uh, they found out that the uh, Herman's earlier uh, earlier idea that they could just, like, drop the bomb with the Jaeger deep down would work. They found out that isn't going to work. They actually have to use a kaiju. Uh, they have to, like, trick it yeah. into thinking that they're a kaiju to get through, because only yeah. kaijus are allowed in and out. That is coinciding with Idris Elba actually getting Gypsy Danger and the Australian mech to do said plan. So this is like a cross cut yeah. between the two. Um, so Mako and Beckett are going with Idris Elba and uh, Australian Beckett and <laughs> Australian, Beckett. Australian, but let's just call him that Australian Beckett. And I'm sorry, we keep referring to this other mech. It's called Striker Eureka. Striker Eureka. Yeah. I've got it. Yes. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> Get, a little balls out yeah, there. Yeah, no, you're great, Matt. It's good. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> I hate you, don't I? Uh, uh, at Fat Record. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. So the, the Russians are dead. The Chinese are dead. It's just these two. Eureka and uh, Gypsy Danger. So they're making their way towards this like hole in the Pacific that I guess must be awfully co- close to Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they don't really mention where it it's, is. It's just yeah. somewhere in yeah. the vastness of the Pacific Ocean. It's not that big, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> but anyways. It's, it's uh, fine. This isn't as big of a cheat as when the shark followed Ellen Brody in Jaws the Revenge <laughs> from, you know, Connecticut all the way to the Bahamas. <laughs> or similarly in uh, Lake Placid when the alligator swims from uh, China all the way, apparently following the Bering Strait, onto California, and then goes all the way across the country to Maine, where it then hangs out with uh, Betty White. Those are, are those are far more ridiculous. So this is actually quite logical. Yeah. So uh, they go, and they're informed that they should not go with said plan. Because yeah. they can't actually go through. They'll just be destroyed. Yeah. They need to be with the kaiju. Well, what do you know? Third kaiju and actually a fourth kaiju appear. Well, yeah. There's one it's, guarding. Yeah. And then this, like, level five, uh, you know... What it is... Thetan level it, uh, kaiju it, appears. <laughs> good, good call on the Thetan <laughs> reference. What it is, is... Um, there, it's actually, there's three kaiju 
for this final assault. There's two level fours and one level five. And okay. the thing is, and, and I can see where you could get sort of confused because it is essentially in the dark and all the kaijus look exactly a fucking alike. Yeah. Um, and, but what happens is they do, Gypsy Danger does kill one of them pretty much on the first go at it with the sword. Yeah. Because, like, now we've established the sword, so it's okay to use it in, in future battles. Mm-hmm. So, like, Gypsy basically kills this one, like, like with one... Yeah, with, with it, like, comes over them, so they just it, stick like, the sword it, up, and it just cuts it in possibly half. Possibly a reference to the kid cutting the Hedorah tadpole at the beginning of Godzilla vs. Hedorah. Exactly. We, we don't know yet. <laughs> Visually, it looks almost exactly the same. Yeah. I don't know if Del Toro is that level of nerd... Uh, but I, I don't know. Wanted, this is Del Toro. I, I just wanted to mention Godzilla <laughs> versus Hedorah. But, um, uh, yeah, so there are three. And I think that was in reference to, at the end, there's only two kaiju who show up initially. Uh-huh. And they wait till they get down to the rim, and then the, the level five comes out. Okay, so like, there's yeah. three more. Exactly. Okay, so two, and then they were expecting... Okay. Right. Okay. And that's why uh, What's-His-Face was like... Oh, where's the other one? I'm never wrong. Yeah, this does not compute, or whatever. He's not. <laughs> he's not a robot. But we. I don't want to skip over Idris Elba's uh, speech that he gives in the Shattered Dome. Oh. It's, it's pretty great. And if you've seen any trailer for uh, Pacific Rim, <laughs> and that was kind of one of the things I didn't like about it, is that they do essentially show the entirety of this speech. Yeah. Uh, in in the most of the advertising for Pacific Rim, yeah. and and it is the rim, or it is the it's the speech where Idris Elba climaxes with saying, uh, "Tonight or today, we're we are going to cancel the apocalypse." Yeah. Um, and this this should also be mentioned that he's dying. Yeah, he's dying. He's got radiation poisoning because, because the first Jaegers they didn't give a shit about radiation. Shielding. Yeah, they just they needed them. So Kaiju's are here. We have to kill them now, right? By any means necessary. Yeah. Um. So he's dying. Uh. So for but, him, this is kind of a suicide yeah. mission. <laughs> and this speech is amazing, and he's great delivering yeah. it. But it's only five lines long. Yeah. And, and I really feel as though if it was twice as long. You could have gotten a build up to that emotional thing, but as it is in the movie right now, yeah, it's like everyone's around. He says, "All right, everybody, listen up. Uh, today we've chosen to believe in each other and ourselves. Tonight we are canceling the apocalypse. Yay! Okay, break. I mean, yeah. it's not quite that truncated, but it's basically that. Yeah. Where I'm, it's just like they're in the middle of a scene. He's like, oh, I have to give the speech now. Yeah. He gives the speech, and then it's over. And it's sort of like, I wish that speech was longer. Or there or was more to it. Up. Or built up yeah. in some way. Or like someone broke down and was like, we can't do this, Idris Elba. This is pathetic. You know, or what? And he had to like slap him around. Or, yeah. Or, or something, you know. Stop like, sniveling, you ass. <laughs> a, an excellent uh, example of this is like Bill Pullman's speech in Independence Day. That's yeah. like the perfect version of that. Yes. You know, where it's like, because you got to go a little, you got to go a little dark first. You yeah. got to like small and dark yeah. and be like, you know, the human race. I don't even know what that means. You know, we might be annihilated today or whatever, you know. And it's just sort of like, yeah, okay, you have to like. Uh, set up the stakes and stuff. So again, this is nothing against Idris Elba, and I hope he becomes you know the new James Bond or maybe gets his own franchise or something. He's 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 great. 
Um, or becomes the next Playgirl centerfold, if well, he hasn't already. You know, but uh, like, he's, you know... Um, well, anyways, so they they get dropped off at the rim, and um, so it's Gypsy Danger and Striker Eureka. And there's two kaiju there that they fight, and they both look the same. I can't tell <laughs> which yeah. one is which. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, they uh, they they defeat one of them pretty quick with the sword. Yeah, the other one proves to be more troubling, and then the the level five one. Yeah, so. and that one Idris Elba decides to he and the Aussie dude make the ultimate sacrifice yeah. in weakening it, so that way uh, Gypsy Danger can use the kaiju, take it with them, so they can get to the yeah. other side, yeah. which and is they amazing. Do. Yeah, and and. The detonation, so to be very clear, Striker Eureka has the nuclear bomb, yeah. or the bomb, uh, nuclear, nuclear, whatever. And um, Riggins. Riggins. It's full Riggins. And so Striker Eureka sets off this super nuke, and it's so powerful that it actually pushes the ocean up, like the water part of the ocean, off of the, like, the floor of the ocean. So what happens is, for a second, Gypsy Danger... Uh, who is like, you know, using the sword to brace itself into the ground. And Gypsy Danger is really fucked up at this point. Yeah. It only has one arm and it's one, le- it's other, the, the leg on the opposite side yeah. is like really messed up. It's gone full Jimmy Wang Yu. Yeah. Or like Chow Yun Fat towards the end of Better Tomorrow too. Where mm-hmm. like he's been shot 35 times but he's still alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> the movie's fucking amazing. Oh, A- anyways, um, like it pushes there's like this mushroom cloud where it's like this dome of yeah. like not ocean <laughs> forms up around gypsy danger and first like it's so big that like fish are like raining from the sky for a second and just hitting the ground and like it's like a slop like you know slap noise because like all of a sudden gravity comes back so, like the motion comes back down the motion of the ocean hits uh, gypsy danger and it's it's the most uh, it's an amazing visual and it's my favorite part of the movie it's just so awesome they end up uh stabbing gypsy danger takes the sword and impales the kaiju and takes that through the through the through the face and takes that through the portal the level five yeah the level five the thetan the highest thetan leveled kaiju (laughs) uh they have uh, and, uh, yeah, so they go to the, the other side, uh, and have to launch the, the bomb. So Mako evacuates first and she's sent up through and then, uh, Beckett has to detonate the nuke. Well, unfortunately it's damaged, so he has to do it manually. Yeah. So, uh, this just, you know, kind of pads for suspense. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he manually doing does Doing it that. manually, not yeah. that tough. No. I mean, the actual process of him doing it manually yeah. is just turning a crank and then, like, yeah. lifting it up. It's the fact that he's being battered by the yeah, elements yeah. of this yeah. alien world. But, yeah. Uh, and then he comes up through. So the nuclear bomb explodes, a la Independence Day, uh, and it shatters the link. Chairs uh, the rift or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so Mako comes up, and she's safe. She's fine. Then she sees Beckett's uh, pod come up to the surface. She swims over to him, and he's not breathing. 
So she like picks him up, and it's just like, "Are you okay?" All that stuff, and then he he does he does the cheesy, you know. You're holding me too hard. Yeah. I can't breathe. <laughs> it's just good, and uh, that basically ends the film. Yeah. Uh, and I like this ending because, like I mentioned before, a lesser film would have had them like make out, right, or something like dumb. And, and they it, might do that, like, halfway through part two, if these characters are even in part two. Yeah. Del Toro said that the second one, which is coming out in 2017, as of as of right now, uh, is going to take place, like, years in the future for yeah. even this. So it's possible none of these characters will even be in it. Yeah. Or maybe, like, one or two, you know, people like Charlie Day and I think the, the other Doctor are going to be in it. Yeah. So, like, they've been announced officially. So, like... Might be 50 years in the future. Del Toro's crazy, so, you know. Yeah. Crazy genius. Yes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that does, um, some... you know, not to nitpick a kaiju movie, but they don't have to, uh, there's no period for them to depressurize. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they're, I, like, wouldn't they both have the bends or whatever it's yeah, called? Yeah, they, they would just be like, <laughs> <laughs> they know. would have morphed into their yeah, own yeah, kaiju. Yeah, yeah. It would have been like altered states. Like, <laughs> you know that thing, but uh, it's okay. This giant monster. Giant it's monsters, a monster movie, so, so it's like it it's the same matter. thing with space and the sword. It's it's yeah. just like it's fun. Yeah, it's, right. it's like they float it up. You know, they float up the rift. You know, they're fine. They're fine. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Fat Riker. <laughs> uh, so, anyways. Um, yeah, and that's that's the end of it, and a very well made, uh, you know, film. Uh, there's there's like the what has become sort of the standard in these huge budget, uh, you know, summer movies where they have kind of the credits. They you know they don't have opening title sequences anymore, so they have like a closing title sequence that's you know. Uh, basically the statues of the kaiju and the Jaegers fighting with the various people's names. And then, you know, finally climaxes by saying, Legendary Pictures and Warner Brothers presents Pacific Rim. Then it cuts, and uh, and Ron Perlman's still alive. He cuts himself out of the baby, <laughs> little baby. He's like, my goddamn boot. Yeah, so that Shoot. was cool. Brought him back. And that was the part. In the theater where I was like, yes! And I was just like, I was like, you know, I was like, Pearlman! You know, and people, yeah. people actually reacted to me screaming uh, so loud. People were a little bit concerned. Like, is this guy crazy? I went to see this with, uh, you know, uh, other guest hosts, uh, Nick Gussie, when it came out. And uh, we were with our friend Miguel. And it's clear, like, we had seen movies like this before. It's clear other people in the audience hadn't. Right. So there was more of a connection between what was going on, like, how these movies work, where yeah. it was clear that, like, people liked the film, but not the same way yeah. we liked it. Which, you know, I mean, that's that's the way these things are. Yeah. And, you know, it did cost $190 million to make. Mm. That was the budget. So, and it only made $100 million in the States. So... You know, it lost, domestically, it, quote, lost money, unquote, because it never really lost money, because there was never really a time when the sum of money it made in America, that was it. It's always going to be, you know, Warner Brothers is an international corporation, yeah, and all of this money counts, you yeah. know, so it, like, it did not lose money. Um, it's, yeah, part two's coming out, and fuck you yeah. <laughs> to people who don't like it. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
I think that about wraps it up. Check it out, you know, if you get the chance. Very colorful and uh, a lot of fun. Very yeah. fun movie. Um, yeah. You've been listening to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. My name is Michael Kelly. And with us, as always, is uh, Nathan Bear. Um, we're on Facebook uh, at the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Uh, we're also on Twitter at uh, Michael Kelly at um, Godzilla Pod War, and we have a Tumblr account that uh, you know I'm out of Tumblr account jokes. Uh, it's, I just, uh, it's just like we've hit the wall. Yeah. Should we deactivate it? I think we should. I think, I think the only like... Tumblr we really need is the dryer in the basement. That's yeah. the only tumble we need. You can simulate the experience of sticking your head in a dryer by simply watching Transformers: Age of Extinction, directed by Michael Bay. Which, by the way, Pacific Rim is a thousand times better than any Transformers yeah. movie, even the ones that I like. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, let's let's get that out on the table. Yeah. It's it's competently staged action, and the robots actually have personality as opposed to just nightmare, jumble, whatever, modern art. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so ugly, it looks like a modern art masterpiece. Exactly. Um so, yeah, um, follow us. We're on iTunes. We're on Podbean. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you like what you hear and, uh, you know, um, comment and, and stuff. We essentially did this episode because a couple of people wanted to hear it, and it was always kind of in the back of our heads that maybe we could do Pack Rim someday, and, and I'm glad we, we did it. And um, I guess, uh, you know, that pretty much wraps it up unless we want to do – all the King Kong movies. <sighs> but if we do all the King Kong movies, that means at some point we have to review King Kong Lives. Yes. <laughs> that movie is garbage. Yes. That movie is terrible. But so is Space Godzilla. Yeah. And I think if we truly want to do the world justice, if we reviewed Space Godzilla, we must do King Kong Lives. That's it's only All fair. All right, you heard it. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, up next, the Godzilla Pod War Hour is going ape. But until that time, listen to the soothing sounds of Pac Rim. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.